0: My name is Mark Lewis. I'm a curator at Temmie Museum and Art Gallery and we are the oldest independent museum in Wales. We were established in 1878 and are still going strong. Uh, My interest in history and heritage sort of developed over the years really. I studied it at university alongside English, fell into the museum world when I came out of university and I still haven't fallen out of it. It's just developed and grown, always been interested. Temmie Museum's collections very eclectic. Uh, It talks of Temby's and Pembrokeshire's history. It ranges from a prehistory collection of the county that dates from the pre-Cambrian geology to the Romano-British archaeology. In fact, it's one of the finest prehistory collections outside the National Museum of Wales. We've a wonderful collection of art. We've also got a vast archive of ephemera and photographs, a natural history collection that features some nationally important items, and a social history collection, all of which help tell the story of Temby and the surrounding area. I suppose I'm most drawn towards the art side of it. Not, I'm not an art historian by any means, but um, I know what I like. And you meet some fascinating characters as well. Some of the artists are absolutely amazing to talk to. Some of the stories I've heard from some of the artists are absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's also finding the links between sometimes the picture and the artist. Sometimes, because sometimes you just wonder why they painted it all. what was the relationship between the sitter and the artist. You know, it's, it's that sort of fascination, really. I suppose my duties are quite wide and varied. Curators is a sort of broad-reaching term. But for a smaller museum, I think a curatorial duties are involved. Obviously your exhibitions and your events and working with the community, but then it filters down to the nitty gritty of making sure the place runs really well. I mean, I've got a museum assistant who works closely with me on the sort of minutiae of the details of, of the day to day operation, but you also have to create policy documents and all the procedures. And you also have to advocate the museum in the community, um, making sure that museums are seen not just as sort of dusty institutions, but they're also they're very contemporary, they can be very exciting, they can be very educational, they can be informative, they can be fun. Um, so it's almost changing perceptions of museums because I think a lot of people just perceive them as being these quiet, almost sacred, revered places where you can't run around with your kids and you can't talk and you're not supposed to you know, necessarily have opinions. You're only supposed to believe what's written on the labels. And I think getting that sort of interaction from your, from your public is part of it. And, and being aware that you do make mistakes. You do, you do make mistakes in labelling, and you, you, you don't know everything. Um, so it's, it's good to have people come in and tell you where you make mistakes. I mean, I'm not an expert by any means on any real area. Um, it's all been learnt as a, as a go along. We're certainly looking at our collections in a, in a deeper sense. We're looking to get the stories behind them, as opposed to just the, the hard data that you sometimes get with objects. And I think part of that will look at decolonising certain, certain aspects. It's not something you could ignore just because you're a small museum. I think that you have to look at the ethics of how things were collected and being a museum that was established in the sort of mid-Victorian years, there's going to be issues with regards to certain collections that we have. There are links, specifically links to some of our collectors with regards to the slave industry. It's our responsibility to look at that and find whatever information we can. We might come up with nothing, but it is the responsibility to do it. We're not looking to rewrite people's history. I mean, people's history, it is what it is. You can't change it, but you can learn from it. And I think that's the nature that we have to do, is is to learn from it and be open about it, not to hide things. We've been closed since March 2020, and we're not going to be reopening until September 2021. So it's practically 18 months of, of closure. It's the longest we've ever been closed. We've had to postpone a lot of art exhibitions, obviously, since the March of last year. Everything's been postponed until September of this year. So rejigging all those when we reopen to sort of not let the artists down because you promised them a space and you can't suddenly snatch that from them. A lot of work goes into putting an exhibition together. Most people require at least 18 months in order to get enough of a body of work to have a good show. So if you promised them a space, you, you have to honour that. So everything's been rejigged, but everybody's been as good as gold. They've all been fine with it. It's been tight to keep it financially stable. Chasing grants has been sort of main priority over the past 18 months, chasing the money, keeping the museum relevant as well and and, and, and aware in people's consciousness to say that just because you close, it doesn't mean that you're never going to reopen and you're not doing stuff that's valuable to the community. So getting involved with projects as far and wide as possible. We've got small plans which we can which we can work with. We've been doing some work with the visually impaired through podcasting, um, and the RNIB have picked up on that. And we want to extend this further when we reopen to, to get some on-site facilities for the visually impaired, and making sure that when we do reopen, we're in a position to do good things and do them safely. A gan planed a gan Arwain, Sir The Echoes of the Past podcast is produced by Planet and funded by Arwain Sirbenfrop.